In the world of real estate, the people are represented by two separate yet equally important groups, the seller's agents who represent homeowners and the buyer's agents who inform and protect their clients. These are their stories. Hello, this is the Real Estate Stories podcast with Jim King, and I also have my wife, Becky, here with me today, and, uh, and our special guest for the story today and or stories is Alice Adams. Hey, uh, thank you, Alice, for coming on. And could you please give me a little, tell me a little bit of something about yourself and your experience? Sure. Thank you so much for having me, Jim. I appreciate it. My name is Alice Adams, and I'm a realtor here in Phoenix, Arizona. But my real estate career started out in Knoxville, Tennessee, back in 2005. So about 18 years in real estate now, and I've got lots of stories. How about that? <laughs> That's great. So, so uh, how long did you sell real estate in Tennessee? Um, well, I went straight from getting my degree at the University of Tennessee. When I went to college, I kept saying, I don't know what I want to be. And they kept saying, just take business courses. You'll figure it out. And I got all the way to graduation day and still had not figured it out. <laughs> it, is, it, it is amazing how many of us just kind of like, for lack of a better term, we fall into this profession. <laughs> yeah. You know? Yes. Yeah. And so I, oh, I, just knew, I didn't want to sit behind a desk, you know, eight hours a day. That's all I knew is please don't stick me behind a desk eight hours a day. And so I had an aunt that was selling real estate on the side as a hobby. And I thought, let me get into real estate and I'll just do that until I figure out what I really want to be when I grow up. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I totally understand and relate to that. Yeah, I'm still trying to grow up and see, figure out what I want to do. But in the meantime, I'm like 27 years into this journey. I don't know how many, many years at this point. It's too many. But um, so that's pretty cool. So is your real estate story about something that happened here or back when you first started? Oh, gosh. I think I can have stories that would work for either scenario. Um, primarily, I work with investors. And it was by happen chance. So uh, when I got my license, I was only 25 years old. Okay. And my friends weren't buying houses yet. And I had no idea really what I was doing in real estate. So I would just ask the other agents in the office, hey, do you have any leads I can work for you? Do you have any that you're not keeping up with or whatever I can do? And all of those leads ended up being the lower dollar buyers. And in very short time, I realized, okay, these are all investors. And if I can get really good at finding what they're looking for, I don't have to take anybody around in the back of my car to look at properties. I'll just go take pictures, evaluate the repairs and bring it back to them all packaged up and pretty. And so in very short order, that's what I did. I would go out and spend the day finding the best couple deals that were listed that week, package them up, send them out to my investors, and very quickly was able to grow my business to multiple, multiple deals a month, primarily being with investors. Um, and the better I got at it, the more word of, word of mouth was, hey, she can help you. So I had attorneys and lawyers and People just getting into real estate, they had money, but they didn't have the knowledge or time to figure it out. So we partnered up and helped them get their rental properties. And I guess it's been 15, 16 years now. Most of those rental properties they originally bought are paid off and creating massive cash flow for their families. So 
That's re- that's really cre- creative. That's super interesting because, you know, I haven't done this a long time myself. We kind of get into it and then we find that we're just doing the same thing. And it feels like kind of your hands are almost tied sometimes with having to do the same thing that everybody else does. But it looks like pretty quickly you figured out a different way to to skin the cat, so to speak. Because um, like when you're when you're solving a lot of problems like that straight up, that obviously, yeah, makes a lot of sense to investors. Yeah, I enjoy it. Uh, I, I really enjoy it. And all investors are, are different. So I, I had a pretty good group of buyers, but certain ones would want historic properties and they want to do a major rehab and spend six figures and make a larger profit. And then I had some investors that said, we'll take the carpet and paint. And if we can make 20 grand, we're good to go. And so I just kind of put all my investors in the categories and the buy boxes they had and was able to work with all of them but they weren't really even necessarily competing with each other because i was aware of which each investor was looking for so i think that's part of the trick when working with investors is finding out what they've bought before and can i find something similar that they're comfortable with so yeah yeah and they, but, they are they're definitely when you can you know real estate investors and or any clients i think that's part of what we realized too is that everybody's different and one of the cool things about real estate is that i mean even if you have a very busy investor like becky and i have an investor that does like i think we do usually probably two or three deals a year which is great with just one guy but that's a lot you know you can only do so many unless you're a billion dollar corporation there's only gonna be so many transactions so (laughs) yeah exactly exactly so I continue to say that moving out here to Phoenix was one of the best decisions I ever made. It's lively. There's energy here. The real estate is booming. Even when the infrastructure up, is that what you're seeing right now too? What do you think, Beck? Uh, well, the inventory is a little bit light right now. We only have, like, when I look like, I forget the number off the top of my head, but um, people are still buying because, you know, lenders are getting very creative with how they, to make it affordable for people which is nice and some sellers are throwing in money to buy down rates so they are i think the inventory is light because the people who did pick up a property in 2021 um even the beginning of 22 that have that three or four percent interest realize if they let go of that they're going to have a higher interest rate more than like (laughs) so i do agree inventory is light and it's um they're still that's what's causing multiple offers and driving um supply and demand right now supply is low you know it always cracks me up because i think about that um caddyshack right which is if you're old like me you remember that movie but you had you know rodney dangerfield sitting on the course and he's sitting on a phone and he goes they're buying sell they're selling buy and real estate <laughs> you know the market's usually one way or the other so you got options you know it's like if, if it's a selling market you know seller's market you you, you know you could you could work it that way but i think it's really interesting because like i do want to get to your funny and or interesting specific story but i think this is important because if there's somebody who's thinking about getting into real estate or if you did just get into it um what i do enjoy about real estate is the the lack of it it doesn't make any sense and it's not super logical and when i work with engineers and accounts and stuff i like to watch their brains fry once in a while because it it doesn't make sense like if you have a seller that just doesn't want to let go of a house for a certain price they don't have to 
And yep. um, I think like you got to embrace the the weirdness of this industry. And then also like, I think what you did was Alice was so fascinating because like early on you figured, okay, you kind of fell into it, but you're like, I'm good with investors. I kind of get this. And you kind of, you know, that's a niche that's really special because not a lot of people are doing that. I think that's really cool. Yeah. I guess I left out the best part of the whole story. <laughs> <laughs> what was that? My son, who is now 19 at the time I started real estate, was a little baby, one years old, because he was born in 2004. I started in 2005. And oh, right before the meltdown. Not lucky you. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And I carried him on my hip to every appointment. I just, real estate gave me the ability to have my child with me and not have to put him in daycare. And I always said, if somebody has a problem, I understand. We can put them with another agent in the office because I do have this baby on my hip. But, you know, I never had one complaint, not one. I never did somebody say, I don't want to work with you because you got your kid on your hip. We just kept doing deals and bringing him to the office. And uh, he just turned 19 himself. And so he's getting ready to get into real estate. I think we're going to see it go full circle. <laughs> yeah, I have a, yeah, I have a 20-year-old. I should say we have a 20-year-old and a 15-year-old. And I, I try to discourage them from real estate. But <laughs> when, when you grow up in, it's like my mom, my mom got licensed uh, in like 84 and I kind of, yeah, I saw that and I, and I started in like 95 and she, she was amazing. And it's like, it gave me a whole new level of respect for my mom who, you know, I just thought was a mom. And then I got started working with her and I saw like what a dynamo she was. It was amazing. And, uh, and it kind of, you know, made me understand what needed to be done and stuff like that. But that's kind of, that's really cool for your, for your son to, to see that. Cause it's, it's a different job and it, it's, it's really, unless you do it, it's hard to explain. I think there's a camaraderie we have also with us that have been doing it for, I think if you've been stuck at it even more than five years, let alone 10 or 20, you kind of get it because most people are out of mm -hmm. it so fast. Yep. They realize it's not all happy hours and fancy cars. <laughs> uh, when I first started real estate, I was just sure that I needed a fancy car. I just was because everybody did have a fancy car. And so yeah. I made a very bad decision and bought a Jaguar S-Type <laughs> and the uh, transmission went out at about 27,000 miles on it. Oh, oh, that's a killer. Yeah. So I was what? like, well, maybe I didn't need that $6,600. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's kind of, you, you do learn your lesson that way too. Cause we, we drive so much and you know, I, I had my, my first broker, God rest her soul. She's amazing. But Agnes, Agnes Helm, she would say like, she, she'd always had like, um, she'd say, you know, you want it, you want a nice enough car where you pull up to the house and you look like, you know what you're doing, but you don't want a nice enough car where, or like too nice a car where you're, it's a nicer car than the owner has, <laughs> you know, cause sometimes yeah. that's not going to go too well either. So I guess there's a happy medium. Absolutely. Uh, I guess we could back up a little bit in time at the when I got my real estate license was in 2005, right prior to that, while I was still in college, because I was at University of Tennessee from 2001 to, I'm sorry, from 99 to 2003. In 2001, we opened up a video rental store. It was kind of a generic blockbuster, and we called it Box Office Video. And kind of like, hey, I know all the people. I sit there and work and do my college studies. 
And then I realized, hey, I know all of these people. If I can just get my name in front of them, they already know me from the video store. I can be their realtor. And so if you remember back when Buster was still around, you would go and read the covers on the movie, and then you would take the copy behind her, or they would provide that to you from behind the counter. And so what I did was put my real estate agency information and some real estate stuff on the back of every single cover. So every video that rented out, when they turned it over, it was all outside of real estate. And I got very busy very quick because they already knew my face from coming in and renting the movies from us. Uh, and so the story gets even more funny. Um, of course, some people have the same names. And I had got a call saying, hey, this is Ed. And if you can come by my house and list it on Saturday, I'll be home. And so I had been talking to an Ed for about two months about selling his estate. A pretty big house at the time, probably about twice the price point that I typically worked in. Well, Saturday morning, I got, up, got all dressed up, put my makeup on, had all the documents ready, you know, pre printed, just ready for him to just sign it. Yeah. And he's asked me to be there at 8 a.m. And I'm like, this is pretty early for a thing, but I'm going to go because it's a big deal. So I get all the way there. I knock on the door. Nobody's coming. I ring the doorbell. Nobody's coming. I'm trying to call his phone. And then he comes to the door in his bathrobe. Oh, dear. Hi, Ed. Uh, I thought that we were uh, meeting uh, this morning. And he said, uh, uh, no, I we're still in bed. And I said, you asked me to be here. I got up and got ready. Let's go ahead and sign these papers and get it out of the way. He had kind of been teeter-tottering of maybe we're going to sell, maybe we're not. But shoot, I was up at 8 a.m. and I'm ready to go. And so I go in. And he says, all right, I guess we'll just sign. And he signs and I leave. And I go home and I'm putting the listing in. And about four hours later, I get a call. And it says, hi, this is Ed. You didn't show up this morning. What? <laughs> uh, um, this is Ed who? He said, this is Ed so-and-so from the video store. And I said, oh, my gosh. I, but I thought we're a different Ed that I've been talking to for three months. And I showed up at his house at 8 a.m. and beat on the door till he answered and signed some papers. <laughs> Sounds like the, the, case, the case of the wrong Ed. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I went over to the other Ed's house and listed it later in the day. But I learned something as a real estate agent. You know, when you go in with that confidence... I was just 100% sure that he had called me and told me to bring the papers and he was going to sign. And that's how I walked in and he signed them, but he wasn't even the right head. And I woke him up out of bed. He was still in his bathrobe. And so that's probably the funniest story I have. That's awesome. A million dollars worth of um, sales between his house and the one he was buying. And back then and in Tennessee, that is a, a very considerable sales price. Okay, so I just want to—I want to say right now, we are not advocating that you just go to random people's houses and <laughs> force them to list with you. Well, that's <laughs> so, a good business model. Yeah, not, don't call it a sustainable business model. Ed did not get strong armed, but you know, let's just say <laughs> Alice was aggressively pursuing the listing. No, okay. That's awesome. Let's, now, that's what you know, but th that's everybody that I talked to that's successful in real estate has a little bit of what you showed right there. It's like you, you're, you're gonna, you go for it. You know what I mean? You weren't like, okay, I'm not going to show up because I'm not sure. It's like, 
you're just going and you did it and it worked out well for you. That was very tenacious. I like that. Like I'm always saying too, how do you know if you just don't ask? <laughs> exactly. Why not? Yeah. Well, that's why Becky and I get along because I'm kind of more like the person of like, if I don't ask, then I may not get rejected. That's great. And Becky's Becky's like, well, you got to, you got to, got to ask. And I'm like, okay, what I, guess that, I guess that makes sense. You got to try to get business somehow. So, but, but that, that's so funny. So, so did you, you got the guy, the Ed from Blockbuster, you got that listing also? Yep. I got uh, them both. Um, but the, the Ed that I was not supposed to be at his house, both sold and bought with me. So it ended up being a, that's fantastic. definitely worth waking up. It was probably a million dollars in closings just in his sell and his buy. The other Ed, uh, that house sold. It was one of the few houses I've ever had a septic issue on, but mm. I'm sure y'all have had some septic issues too, being yeah. in real estate. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, man, I have, I've had my share. One time we even, I was buying HUD houses back when the market was right after 08. It started to see more foreclosures, and the Secretary of Housing has their foreclosures listed on HUDHomestore.gov. We found one and wanted to flip it. I had moved from bringing deals to my investors and packaging them up to them to wholesaling to fix and flipping for myself. And so I had found this super sweet deal on a corner lot and um, went ahead and closed on it. Of course, when you buy something that's a foreclosure or especially something from Secretary of Housing, there's not really any property disclosures or no. no. And so we bought the house and then the neighbor comes over the first day we're there and she says, you know, there's no septic tank at this house, don't you? And I was like, no. I'm thinking, oh, you just wanted to buy the house and you're not happy is what I'm thinking. And I was like, oh, what's the end? And she said, I was here when they put it in and they put a, just one of those big burn barrels in the ground and that's what everything's running to. And I was like, okay, well now I have to get it looked at because if not, she's going to come over and tell the buyers when they're walking through, you know, I need like yeah. permanent proof mm -hmm. that that's not what's going on because She's over here day one telling me, and I'll never sell this house if that's what she's telling the buyers. So sure enough, I called the septic company to come out. They dug it up, and guess what? It was a burn barrel. Oh, wow. It was. It did not have a septic tank in, and so I guess my Ed septic tank story reminded me of that one. We did have to go through installing a whole new septic and get a variance because the lot wasn't quite as big as it should have been they want a certain number of square feet there in tennessee but that was another fun one rehabbing houses is always full of surprises <laughs> well you know that that's funny because like i used to when i first got started i worked out way east mesa so a lot of mobile homes and stuff like that so we do the we do the marshmallow or the ping pong ball check where we'd like you know flush them down the the drain and go run out to the sewer lift the lid and see if you see the balls flow by <laughs> And, uh, but I've never had a, a burn pit as opposed to, I, I did almost sell a house that was, had a, they had, there's no permit on an addition in the, had, they had built the addition on the, on top of the leach field of the septic. It's, yeah. So you can yeah. so you, you run into those issues. That's like something, this is like the learning lesson. And I guess the podcast today is like on the back of, still on the contract since Dan was says buyer beware. <laughs> Information is deemed reliable, but not guaranteed. So like. 
you yep. know, it, and plus in Arizona, we're kind of, still kind of the wild west. It's like, you know, you just don't, don't assume anything. You got to check it all out. Right. And we almost had one that got, we almost had one that got submarined by a yappy neighbor. We had the one that was listed and somebody comes out of the woodwork when somebody's looking at it and tells the buyers that are there with the inspector that the guy died in it and had been there for like two weeks before they pulled him out. And and there's a website that's scamming people. It's like, I don't remember the name of the website, but it's like deadbodiesinahouse.com or something. And yeah. they paid $35 to get this report that gave him bad information. Oh my gosh. <laughs> it's like our gals aren't hard enough. You know? That was a pain in the butt. They did wind up coming back to mine, but I wanted to kill that neighbor. Like, <laughs> well, they were so handy. Sometimes neighbors tell you good. Well, I would say on on that note, you know, we gotta you gotta be careful for bad information. I will say, like, um, for my friends and clients out there and stuff, if you don't work with me, pick an agent that's experienced like Alice, because I've been in this a long time, and we still see a lot of advertisements for I can't name the companies, but they're they're out there. And I, I'll just tell you this much: the ones that spend the most on advertising are usually not the ones you want to go with. Cause they're, they have the least experienced agents and like real estate is one of those things that just get somebody experienced because it's the most amount of money you're probably going to spend in your life. So be careful with that. It is. And there's just things that you can't learn from a textbook. There is mm -hmm. real estate that you cannot learn in the tech, in a textbook. For sure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh. Dealing with all those personality types. And... <laughs> Andy, you know, you don't know what you don't know. And it's like, it's somebody who is, you can't be an expert in the whole state of Arizona, there's just too many variables. It's just, it's a large state and, you know, you can't, can't know everything about Gilbert, let alone know everything about Gilbert and Tempe and Glendale and surprise and all that stuff. So it's like, yeah, you know, just, uh, yeah, go with an expert in the field. That's my, my advice. <laughs>